So let's go ahead and let's pray, and then we'll jump in to the message. Father, thank you that we can be here in a tent that you've provided to lift our voices and hearts and hands in worship to you and declare that who can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You are hope, our peace, our righteousness. You are the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You're our good, good father, and it's who you are, and we are loved by you. You are perfect in all of your ways. So, Father, thank you that we could be here. Uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, you come, do your amazing faith-building, Christ-revealing work in us now. And it's your name we pray. Amen and amen. So welcome if you're here for the first time. We love that you're here, and uh, you're going to experience church inside a tent. My great-great-grandfather, the Reverend G.L. Tracy, was a revivalist tent preacher. So it's actually just the first day I've ever been in a tent, and I'm quite enjoying myself. So I hope you enjoy yourself too. But uh, we're really excited. Well, if you have your smartphones or your uh, Bibles, open to John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to be reading from there, John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. And it says this. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Can you hear me? Okay. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it was not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So this morning, we're going to do a couple things. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And how many people know the church has good news to share? In a time when there's a lot of bad news, a lot of fake news, and a lot of divisive news, friends, we've got good news. So we, as a church, we need to share the news. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the good news. And it's important to talk about the good news as a church because we have good news to share. And so if you're a Jesus lover, say woo-hoo. Woo and so we want to explore afresh and explore anew. I just thought that'd be fun to do. I've never done that before. So we just wanted to explore afresh and explore anew what the glorious gospel is. And so if you were invited this morning, it's a great time to be here because you're going to hear some good news for your life. And I think one of the questions that weaves together the fabric of all humanity, of all generations, is this. Is how do we make it to God? How do we get our way to God? How do we connect with God? And we're going to answer that question here this morning. And in light of the baptism, many people getting baptized, they have connected with God in a real way. I also want to mention that the message is very practical. It's very simple, but it's very relevant to your life and to the struggles, to the turmoil of your life. Because all of us are having anxious thoughts, aren't we? Come on, can we be honest this morning? We're having anxious thoughts. And the struggle that we face day to day is that we have turmoil about the trouble that we're facing. So we're going to talk about that very thing. 
The gospel is explained in John chapter 20, verse 31. So I'm going to give kind of a, a, a macro view and then a micro view context of what's happening. And then we're going to unpack these verses. John chapter 20, verse 31 says this. These things are written. This is why it was written. And this is why we're reading it this morning. These things are written that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, that you would trust in him, that you'd be assured, that you would treasure this reality that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he is God himself present in the Son, that the, that the Son of God is present among us and he is God, and believing you might have life in his name. So you have not just physical life, but a spiritual life. He turns that which is dead and dying into life. And I'm going to unpack that more in just a moment. That you would have faith and believe in his name. That your faith would be stirred, whatever faith you have. And if you don't have faith, that God would give you faith, more faith this morning. So now here's the immediate context of what we're looking at in John chapter 14. It's the Passover meal. And so Jesus is not in a public event, he's in a private event, kind of behind closed doors event, some room, some upper room in Jerusalem there. And this is it. This is his final teaching. His ministry is over. His mission is about over. The doors are shut. And Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. He's about ready to die. He's going to be slaughtered on a cross. So he's wrapping everything up here. And the disciples are going to be shocked and stunned uh, and just shattered by what Jesus is going to tell them. Because he says to them, I'm going to go back to heaven. And you're going to stay here and you're going to be here all by yourselves. I'm leaving and this is what you need to know. And so it says in that the disciples, he says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Now wouldn't you be troubled? I mean, look at them. I would be like freaked out troubled, stressed out. If I'd been a follower of Jesus and now he's like leaving, he's going to be gone and who knows when he's coming back. And so what Jesus does then, and this tells us about God, is he goes to comfort them and tells us this, that even in troubled times, your heart actually doesn't have to be troubled. We live in very troubling times, but God is a God who wants to comfort our hearts in troubling times. And so what's going to happen is this, is Jesus is going to give them reasons not to be troubled. Isn't that good news? Don't you want to hear what he has to say? So I think that all of us are more troubled. I know I am. Tr trouble literally means to be kind of stressed out and uh, agitated. And I don't know about you, but I'm more agitated than I've ever been in my life by what is happening in our nation this year. I'm more agitated by the pandemic. I'm sure many parents have been agitated by online schooling of their kids. Amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> People are agitated by the pressure uh, under their marriages and agitated by what's happening in the economy and their jobs and, and your health. And so we have much that we're, we're dealing with. There's so many hits that are happening. So Jesus drops this bomb. I mean, he drops a bomb on the disciples and he says, I'm leaving you. I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to go die. And by the way, uh, I don't like it. Somebody's going to deny me. And somebody, uh, there's Peter and, uh, and there's so many things happening. He says, but I'm going to leave you. And where I'm going, you can't come. So Jesus' followers now are stressed out. 
They're agitated. They're, they're unnerved. They're anxious. They're apprehensive. They're, they're uneasy. They're worried sick. They're distressed. They're getting worked up like you get worked up. They're super troubled and nervous, and that's where they are. And into that context, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And what a statement. Let not your, your hearts be under such, uh, literally means turmoil of soul. That's where they were at. And Jesus is going to talk to them about how to overcome turmoil of soul. What is the basis for that? Well, there's a couple reasons to, to overcome turmoil of soul. Number one is this. Because of who you know, because of who you know, and number two, because of where you're going to go. Because of who you know and where you're going to go. Let not your heart be troubled or stirred up or agitated. Has there ever been a year where there's been more agitation of heart than 2020? Come on. Has there ever been a year? No, there hasn't. Has there ever been a year where you've taken more hits, where you've taken more of a pounding in every way than in 2020? No. So what's the answer? What, is, what does Jesus say? Well, it's because of what, who you know. And he says this in the next verse. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So he's saying that when your heart is troubled, you have to go to God. Believe in God. So Jesus declares, he says, Come, trust in me or trust in God. In other words, we're the same. Uh, whether you go to God, whether you go to me, we are the same. Jesus is saying that the presence of the Father is in the person of the Son. The presence of the Father is, is, the, is the same as in the person of the Son. So he says, believe in God, believe in Jesus. It's the same thing. In other words, trust in me in troubled times. Jesus is saying, you can count on me. You can bank on me so that you won't be so troubled if you'll do that with the problems that you're facing. So Jesus essentially was saying this to his disciples. Hey, have I ever let you down? Do you have any reason not to trust me? Like, for example, when there was a dead man, Lazarus, and I told him to stop being dead. And he stopped being dead. And I raised him from the dead. So do you have any reason not to trust me? Like when there was the storm, do you remember that? And the boat was about to be capsized on the Sea of Galilee. And I told the storm to stop storming. And the sea became calm and obeyed me. Do you have any reason not to trust me? And then he says, you remember when the multitudes were, were starving? Uh, there was a little dude, a couple fish and some bread. And so we fed them over 5,000 men, women, uh, perhaps much more than that. So do you have any reason? Do you remember that stuff? You have no reason not to trust me. So Jesus says, trust in me. Believe in me. And when he says that, it literally means this. It's not just to passively, yeah, I believe, and yeah, Jesus has done some really cool stuff. That's not what it means. It literally means here to entrust yourself to completely in an ongoing way. Believe there. So the first reason you don't have to have such turmoil of soul is because of who you know. Secondly, it's because of where you'll go, verse 2, chapter 14. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many, some of your translations read mansions, but that's not really the 
best translation. It's really rooms or dwelling places. He said, if it wasn't so, I would have told you. I mean, when you think about mansions, you kind of get excited and think about, yeah, I'm going to have my own mansion with a long driveway and going to be a statue maybe of me or something, gold-plated door there. And yeah, that's not what it means. We get caught up in that like it's going to be Hollywood. It's going to be rooms, and we're going to talk more about that. But Jesus is saying, when we get to heaven, it's going to be so awesome because my dad's house is big enough for everybody. And my dad's house is for you. I get to be in my father's house. We all get to be in my father's house forever. And so Jesus told his disciples that there was room for all of us in heaven. So everyone who follows Jesus does so imperfectly, right? Does anybody follow him perfectly? Go ahead and raise your hand if you do. No, thank you. Right in the front, he raises. I appreciate that right there. You want to stand up for all of us and kind of wave to everybody? You're right there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, we got somebody. But for the rest of us, uh, the speaker included, we're, we're, we're not exactly following perfectly. And so Jesus is saying this, that those that don't follow perfectly, that you have rising turmoil in your heart. This is what you do. You trust Jesus because he's the one that has a place for you. He says, you're going to make it. I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to get you there. And when you get there, you will be there forever. How great is that? Because he's going to go and prepare a place for you. Now, I want to give a little, a little word of encouragement to the husbands here. And that is that when your wives go off for a day, maybe out with the friends, maybe gone for a day, two or three, I personally have developed a, a plan in the Collins household, and before she gets back, I prepare the house. Any of the brothers with me in, the, in, in here in the tent today, do you ever prepare the place when they get back? I'm just telling you, your, your marriage, your life will go better if you do. I'm just telling you straight, your life will go better if you do what I'm saying, okay? So do it. So I will prepare the place. I don't want to leave a train wreck of a house, which is what it is about an hour before she comes. It's a train wreck, but then I, turn, I clean it all up and make it look good, and I, and I put some energy into it. And so, But I'm preparing the place for when she returns. About an hour maximum, and it doesn't look bad. Imagine this. Jesus said, for 2,000 years, I've been preparing a place for you. It's going to be awesome, friends. It's going to be awesome. So, and I can tell you really feel like it's going to be awesome by your response. And so he says, if it wasn't so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, a home for you. And if I go, I will take you where I am. And so Jesus is making ready the place of dwelling with God. That's what he is doing. So the promise 2,000 years ago is that he's preparing a place. And he said, and you know the way that I'm going. Now, Jesus is saying, your room is fine, but you cannot get there unless I do what I'm about to do. And I'm about to go to the cross. I'm going to prepare an open door to God's house just for you. And I love Thomas here. He's an honest guy, and he's, he kind of he taps out. You know what tap out means? Tap out means like you just kind of, you, you don't know what to do, you give up. So he kind of gives up and says, Lord, we don't know what you're doing. And how can we know the way? 
And Jesus is saying, you know the way? And Thomas is like, we're clueless, Lord. We have no idea about the way. Could you show us the way? And then Jesus makes this outlandish, outrageous, exclusive statement here in verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, you want to go to God, there is no plan B. There's no middle ground. There's no backdoor entrance. There is only one way to get to God. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the solution for humanity's problem. The way is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And some people say, I don't like that. I think that's quite uh, exclusive. I think that's quite dogmatic. I don't think that's fair. I think there should be several options. Well, Jesus says, if you want to get to heaven, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, there are no other options except the way. Not that he is a way among many ways, or a truth among uh, so many truths, and everybody wants to have their truth, or a life, but no, he's the life. So Jesus alone says that this is he, who he is. If you want to get to heaven, you want to get to God, it is by faith alone through Christ alone. Friends, that's the good news. That's the gospel. Some people say, hey, wait a second. I don't like that. I think there's many ways to God, and I just don't think that's fair that there's only one way. I think there should be multiple ways to God rather than this one-way exclusive stuff. You're a bunch of bigots, and you, and you really believe that. But I want us to pause for a second and to think about that. Because Jesus did say there's only one way to God. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way home. There's only one Savior that deals with the sin of the world. There's only one man that stood in the chasm, the gap between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus who bridges the gap. Some people say, I don't like that. I don't like one way. Well, think about that for a moment. Just think about that for a moment. What if uh, during uh, the pandemic you had cancer and they found a cure for cancer and there was one way to get cured of cancer? Would you be open to the one way that is the proven cure for cancer? What if, what if there was, you were, uh, we were in a building and, a, and it came on fire and I said, hey, there's one way, a door, there's only one door to get out of the fire. Would you say, you know, I don't like that, that there's one way. I want to I argue about that. And uh, you would take the one way, wouldn't you? Because there really is only one way. And so Jesus said, there is one way that bridges the chasm of sin and separates you from God. And so Jesus said, I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be brutalized and hang on a cross and absorb all of God's wrath for your sin. And I'm going to be that way. I'm going to go to the cross and bridge the gap. I am the way. Secondly, he said, I'm the truth. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I am more wondering what is the truth than ever in my life. Is anybody with me? Kind of wondering with all the spin and all the fake news and false news and all the narratives out there. 
I, even like with the pandemic, I'm wondering, and I, I'm like, I'm a science guy, okay? I'm a science guy. I did like school and all that for science. And, uh, but I'm wondering, like, does the mask really help? Like, or does it, does it, does it, how much does it help? You, you, you know, you, you hear all these different statistics. And then like the pieces of plastic, I'm thinking like, does the virus know like to go into the piece of plastic and not like above the plastic? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I, what's the truth? And you, you hear TV commentary and you think, and I always wonder like, well, what, what's the truth? Like, have we ever been more unsure of the truth in our lifetimes than now? And so what a timely word that Jesus said, well, I'm the truth. People say, no, like, you've got your truth, and I've got my truth. But like, well, but what's the truth? And so Jesus declares that he's the source of truth. He's the standard of truth. And I love that in the middle of all the craziness out there that Jesus is, says he's the truth. And so you better listen to him since he's the truth. So he tells us, because he's the truth, what God is like. Do you want to know what God is like? the truth about God, all you have to do is look to Jesus and you see what God is like. Jesus embodies everything that we need to know about God. The Bible puts it this way in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So since God is invisible, you can see what God would be like if he was visible, and that is Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Literally means that God has revealed himself in Jesus. That God etched himself in Jesus. That God inscribed himself in a person, and that person is Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Just look at Jesus. And so it says that Jesus is the truth. Lastly, it says here, Jesus, I am the life. He's the real life. He's the, uh, he's the way that you get to heaven. And so he's the life. Jesus makes us not just biologically alive, but spiritually alive when we were dead in our sin. He's the author of life. He's the sustainer of life. He's the giver of of life, and we, when we encounter uh, the living God, Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, connected to God the Father, this is what happens. This, the life of the Father and the Son flows into us. And so then Jesus said this crazy statement. No one gets to the Father except through me. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, hey, all the religions out there is not it. I'm it. All the rituals out there, not it. I'm it. There's one pathway. There's one gateway. There's one road, and it's me. And I get it. People say, well, gosh, that's you're being really dismissive uh, to say something like that. You're being really judgmental and narrow-minded and all to say that there's just one way. Because Jesus limits all of the options to himself and says, I am the only way, the truth, and the life. There's no middle ground. I am one with the Father, and there's one way to get to the Father, and that is through me. So here's how I think of it. You hear about all-access passes? Does anybody have an all-access pass? 
all access pass. Like when you go to a sports event or you go to a musical event and you can get an all access pass and it's like that thing is golden. Well, Jesus is saying, I am giving you all of my followers that trust me, you get an all access pass to heaven. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. That's what you get. So Jesus eliminates every other belief system except for believing in him. So the gospel is this. The gospel is this, that God loves you so much that he comes down from heaven to introduce you to Jesus Christ, that in him you might have life and life eternal. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And everybody that's going to get baptized here uh, this morning has realized that reality. And that's what we're celebrating, that they've received the Savior, that they've trusted in him. All the kids, all the youth, We've explained to them what it means to be a follower, to receive Jesus, and to be baptized. And so uh, what we're going to do is celebrate baptism uh, now.